This morning we're going to be touching on a subject that, trust me, I am not pointing the finger at anybody this morning. If I'm going to point the finger, I'll start with me and work backwards. But this morning we're going to be talking about the obesity epidemic. The obesity epidemic. And boy, before you think, or before you say it, I have not yet lost my marbles. I'm not far off, but I've not lost it just yet. But this morning, we're going to talk about Fat Club. And you know rule number one? Don't talk about Fat Club. You know what rule number two is? Don't talk about Fat Club. And rule number three, don't talk about Fat Club. Those of you maybe be a movie buff would know that we've taken this from Fight Club. Rule number one, don't talk about Fight Club. We're going to talk about Fat Club this morning. You know, it's very interesting that in the news this week and of last week, they've talked about our obesity epidemic that's in the UK. For the first time, some would say it was smart, others would say it was counterproductive. You had Mars or Nestle, the company together, turning around and making a statement, only eat Dolmio once a week. Why should you only eat it once a week? Because it's not good for you. You can use it as a treat, but do not have it as a staple part of your diet. We're in a position now where they tell us that there is a generation that's rising that are bigger than we've ever known before. We have a generation that's rising where kids are getting heavier, are getting less active, people are getting less active. That drawing of the sugar, that drawing of the extra salts, etc., is causing people to become bigger on a daily basis and that will lead in the long term to a health crisis. Now, I know with this underwhelming response I'm getting this morning, you're thinking, Phil, what are you talking about? And you're talking about me. If it's talking about you, it's talking about you. I can't help that, okay? But this morning, we want to look at something and see that often what happens in the natural is also paralleled in the spiritual. Do you realize that if you do any kind of search, the UK is known as the fat man of Europe? Look, anywhere, we in the UK are the heaviest people in Europe. And we're known as the fat man, which is not good. I'd rather be known for something else, young, debonair, tall, all of those things that can be written on my Facebook profile, all of those elements, but we're known as the fat man. But I was reminded when I was putting these things together that God turned around and says that unless the UK gets its act together and comes out of its cave, Europe will fall. But what are we known as? Are we known as the light and the salt of the world or are we known at this moment in time as the fat man? The fat man with his social isolation that stays within his cave, that does whatever he does and never changes anything. Okay, well, still stay quiet. We need to understand something in a natural dynamic. The creator of the heavens and the earth, when he made this body, he made a perfect machine. He made a perfect ecosystem that if I give it the resources it needs, the food and the resources, it will be able to fulfill its destiny, its task, and its assignment if I treat it correctly. Adam was fed and kept for one purpose, 
that there was a man needed to work the ground. His job was to extend the boundaries of Eden. Eden didn't fill the whole world. Have you ever thought of that? Eden didn't fill the whole world. If it had filled the whole world, how could he be put outside of Eden? So he had a boundary and a position that was growing and growing, but yet the likes of you and I, echoing towards the spiritual, we are also placed in a body with Christ as the head. Are we not? And if we take in the resources that we need, the food of the word, the water from the Holy Ghost, we are able to fulfill our task and assignment. And our task and assignment is still the same. Man must work the ground. In Luke 2, uh, 10.2, it says this. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the field. We must maintain a healthy body so that we can get the job done. Is that right? Is that fair? If we don't maintain this body, then we're going to have issues moving forward. It says in Acts 13, 36, he said, Now when David had served the purposes of God in his generation, he fell asleep. David had finished the work, the task and the assignment that God had given him to do. That body has said, right, now this machine, it's come to the end of its life cycle. I can turn it off because it has fulfilled what it's supposed to do. But do you realize something that if you or I are the ones who mess with this ecosystem, if we abuse it, if we don't use it correctly, if we don't feed it the way it's supposed to be fed, if we don't give it the sleep, if we keep it high and move it on drugs or on stimulants, you do realize that it falls apart and you will open a Pandora's box that you may never, ever get the lid back on. Many of us live with the consequences in life now from what we've done all the way through. They will tell you that the majority of diseases that you carry in your body have been lying dormant or growing to the place of being released 10 years before you actually saw it. So for 10 years, you're doing damage in your body, damage in your body, and suddenly something breaks out. But let me give you this as a disclaimer. I'll set the disclaimer right up front. One size does not fit all. I'll say it again. One size does not fit all. Meaning this. You take Keith Richards. Keith Richards is the lead guitarist of the Rolling Stones, who by his own testimony would say, how I'm alive, I haven't a clue, because I should have died so many times, overdoses, being drunk out of his head, being sick in the night, choking on his own vomit, and somebody was there to save him, to turn him over, put him in the recovery position or whatever. The way he's treated his body, he should have not still be here. Would that be fair? And then you get a guy last week who is a colonel in the army, runs the London Marathon for charity, and dies at the end of it. And you kind of go, that doesn't seem to balance out. That's why one size does not fit all. Have you seen the person they see him on telly and they go, here's Billy, 95 years of age, smokes 40 woodbines, has a fries breakfast every morning, does 50 press-ups, look at him. Uncle Billy, what a way to go. But would we say that the way to live is on 40 woodbines and a full English every morning? There is exceptions to the rules, yes? But if you abuse it and you use it, this stuff is not where your body's concerned and exact science. But I want to give that deflective analogy right up front so we know where we're standing. You look at yourself in the mirror 
and there's always someone worse than you. Is that all right? So we're in the room this morning, and there's already somebody worse than, worse than me, isn't there? There's somebody bigger, there's somebody hairier, there's somebody smellier, there's whatever it is, there's a reason that somebody is worse than you in this room. Do you know that whole deflective technology works like this? How many of us in our lifetime have been in an how-much-can-you-eat buffet? Anybody ever been to all-you-can-eat buffet? And you can look and shake your head at Fred with his pile of stuff. We'll call him Fred. This is Fred. Safe. Nobody in here called Fred. We're all right. Fred's got his pile of food. And he walks past and you look and he sits on the table next to you and he calls the waiter and he shouts over, Diet Coke, and you have a bit of a snigger to yourself (laughs) because he's all piled up and what he's done is he falls into this mentality that says, I've paid for it, so I'm eating it. I don't need it, I don't want it, and half the time, I don't really like it, but I'm going to get as much in as I can because now it's a challenge. I've got my elasticated pants on. I did it before I come. Or I've got a belt with extra holes on where I can let it out. I don't care how uncomfortable I feel by the time I leave this restaurant. I'm getting my money's worth. Well, that's Fred. Remember, that's Fred. That's not anybody in this room, is it? Okay, right. We'll take the silence. But do you realize that on the flip side of that, I can look and laugh at Fred but be sat on my sofa with two bags of crisp and a packet of biscuits and a litre of Coke and knock it down and not realise that it becomes a blind spot to me. I'm going to give you a simple equation. You know that I like simple maths. I like simple maths. I like one and one equals two. Now, here's a general kind of simple maths. Simple maths goes like this. If you do not burn off what you put in, you will gain weight. How's that? If I eat more than I burn off, I put on weight. Correct. We're not all scientists, but I'm thinking there's not going to be that many people going to argue with me this morning. So what they say is, eat less and move more. I'm going to show you the danger of something just one second. Here we have... I was already told this morning by the ladies in kids' church, this is an ideal dunking biscuit. That if you take a digestive, it's an ideal dunking biscuit unless your cup's too small and then you've got to bite a bit off before you get it in. But, and anybody who does dunk biscuits, you're a dirty tramp. I'm just letting you know. Because dunking biscuits is not God-ordained. I need to tell you this. See this simple little biscuit here. I'll give you one of our simple equations again. If you eat your daily allowance of food, everybody's slightly different. They would say, on average, it's probably 1,800 calories for a lady and 2,200 to 2,400 for a man. If you, as a lady, eat your 1,800 calories, it's fine, and you're walking to work and doing all the stuff, great. And then you come home and find the great temptation which is sat there in your kitchen or wherever you find it. We all like a nice biscuit, don't we? That nice biscuit, which is all good for me and great. No, nothing. There's no nutritional value in there, by the way. That one biscuit will uh, be the equivalent of one stone a year. 
One biscuit over your calorie intake allowance is a stone a year. Thank you. See, this is all the message you hope this. This is how I don't think there's that many people who wake up in the morning and say, do you know what? I think I want to be bigger. I want to be heavier. Unless you've got some form of body dysmorphia and you're like a bodybuilder who thinks what I need is to increase in mass. Or if you've got somebody who works the other way that pushes towards anorexia. Do you know what happens? Blind spots get us and we just get heavier and we don't realize it. You know what happens? Somebody goes out, you have a night out, you have a, a, a holiday photo or something, somebody takes a shot and you go, whoa, I'll hide that one, delete that one from your digital photos, that one's not going on Facebook. And when somebody says, pick your chin up, no, the other one. You know, all that stuff, you struggle because you didn't mean to do it, but somewhere naturally in life, you start to get bigger. And then if it's like me, I say, Angie, have you shrunk my jumper? Because suddenly things are getting tighter, and you think, I don't remember it being as tight as this. Is anybody still with me this morning? Yeah? See, we laugh because when we're in the gym, we use this term, bigger shirt or smaller belly. Because when you're doing exercises, every time you do that, this hangs out. So either you need a smaller belly or a bigger shirt. It also works in church when you raise your hands, by the way. <laughs> Just letting you know. Just letting you know. So if somebody says to you, bigger shirt, you know what we're talking about, don't you? But we've just given that in a kind of nutshell that we would agree that naturally this is a bunch of stuff that happens. But as we said, we start to see a, a parallel of what happens in the spirit. I want to talk about this morning some obesity pitfalls. Is that okay? Some of those obesity pitfalls and related issues are this. That as we get bigger and as we increase in weight, several things happen. There is a tendency to develop heart disease, a greater opportunity or chance for cancer, strokes, blood pressure issues, diabetes, reduced life expectancy, oh, and the inability to reproduce. This is a word of hope, I'm telling you just now. You can see your faces, you're all going, what's going on here? Let's stick with it a little bit. As we've already said, obesity is the excess, calorific excess. I take in more than I'm using. So I start getting heavier, I start getting a bit more, kind of less mobile. Do you know the biggest issue that was a couple of years ago? Do you remember it was on the telly, it was through the media, it was all changed and it came out with turkey twizzlers. Jamie, Jamie Oliver's attack on school dinners. And what was the attack on school dinners? Everybody loves turkey twizzlers, but there is no benefit to a turkey twizzler apart from 10 ton of fat, sugar, salt, and e-numbers. And they wonder why your kids are bouncing all over the walls, but it's turkey twizzlers. But we love turkey twizzlers. Personally, I didn't have turkey twizzlers when I was at school. As was the old sausage, chips, and beans when I was at school, which was sausages. I haven't a clue what was in them, but they were all right. Turkey Twizzlers. If I talk to Kev now, Kev will say, school days, oh, Turkey Twizzlers. Nothing better than a Turkey Twizzler. There is something that, even though it's not good for us, I want it. 
Even though I know there's no benefit, I want it. I don't even want one. I want to, can we supersize this? Can I get this in? No. All it's going to do is cause me issues moving forward, dietary issues, weight issues, whatever, but I want it because I just like the taste of it. I love what it does to me. You know, we find that the church, as well as outside, has developed this appetite and desire for more sugar. It wants a sugar-coated environment. It's looking for sweetness and light. It's got unbalanced in the way that it sees things, in the way that it wants to view things. God and the kingdom get pushed to one side because I love, love chamber Christianity, where it's just me and God and I'm in his arms and he sweeps me away and he comes in on a white horse and it's all that stuff. I want the sugar that can be the counterbalance in charismania. It all falls to, it's just me and you. But you do realize, don't you, that in Scripture and in the world and God's word to us and our purposes are why we're made, it's not just about you and God. This system of the body of Christ with Christ as the head is set up in a set reason to get a set desired result. It's not, and it cannot be, just all about me. You know, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 says this. When I was a child, I taught like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I think Pastor Tony covered it so well last week when he was dealing with little Harry about you have the boy, you have the baby, must become the boy, has to become the man. There is the processes that we go through, but part of this is this whole journey from childhood to manhood. You pass through something. It's called adolescence. Some had good teenage years, and some, your teenage years, were some of the biggest nightmares you ever had. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Would that be fair? Yes? And what you found is that often in the house, we describe people as being childlike or mature. I think most of us fall in middle ground, the middle ground of adolescence. You know what adolescence brings? Spots, hormonal imbalances and the ability to argue with everybody around you. Do you know why? Because you know best. It's that Kevin and Perry scenario. I hate you. What are you doing? I'm going to my room. I don't... Anything that you're telling somebody, they think they know best because you're in that process of just changing and developing. We have to get to the place of becoming the mature man and the mature woman. Would that be fair? The whole process of going through that cycle is, I don't think many of us enjoy teenage years. Not knowing to do with your emotions, your body changes, I like this, I don't like that. You know, things that you had as a kid, suddenly we became uh, the end of a chapter that where you'd run around all day with uh, your favorite teddy bear. When you suddenly got to a certain age, it was like, the teddy bear cannot be seen anymore because it is now not flash. It's not the thing I should have. But you know what? I don't want any of my mates to know, but I still sleep with it at night. Okay. If I'm honest with you, you're not going to be honest back with me. There's not an awful lot I can do. Still got the teddies. I had, I don't remember it, but my mum said to me that when I was a kid, I had my dad's shirt. You know, like kids have a comfort blanket. I had my dad's shirt. And I, I wouldn't go anywhere without this shirt. I don't remember this. I think my mum was just playing some kind of mind games, you know, to try and tell me about I was, you know, needed to be connected a certain way. But I used to 
I think, it, is it Linus from Charlie Brown? The one who pulls his blanket around? That was me. I'd have this old shirt of working around. But there comes a time in our life where I have to be willing to let something go so I can move on. But you know, sometimes the things I've let go didn't mean it was dead and buried. It meant, be, meant maybe the next generation can pick it up. Analogy. In my loft yesterday, being shouted at from Ange, so I'm in the loft. I'm thinking, right, get some space. Where's the highest place I can get? I'm getting in the loft. So I go in the loft, and she's already told me about, you rubbish you because you throw things out. I'm as bad as Pastor Tony. If Pastor Tony says he's doing a clear out in their house, it's terminal, is it not? And the amount of things he's thrown out in the tip that were perfectly good, even like his new shoes, because he didn't even check what was in the bag. It was like, if there's any rubbish in here, it's gone. Do you only have... Anybody have any of those calls in their house where you go, that's it, anything in that room, it's gone. Either get it in a cupboard or it's gone. Well, Andrew kind of thought that I'd thrown out all of our past history and everything from the kids. It's in the loft, I just couldn't find it. It's in a bag inside a bag, you know, which is inside the bag, which is in the box. Well, I found uh, yesterday toys, Disney toys, that had been Joel's from when he was a little baby. But guess what? You know when they say the cycle goes round? The very things that he was into when he was a baby, Ruby's now into. You go like that? I know why I didn't throw this away. Because Tony didn't come round. I know why we didn't throw it away. And things can get brought round again. Just because you've moved on didn't mean it has no value and it's null and void. So in your life, when you were a child and thought and reasoned like a child and you move on, when somebody else comes through, you can't tell them they're an idiot. When they've not got an understanding, that which I have seen, that which I have heard, that which my hands have handled, that which I proclaim to you, is revelation of growing. So what you saw as your childlike faith, when somebody else declares that, you can't go, (laughs) I used to think like that, you (laughs) burke. It's not. There is the process of people walking and changing, isn't there? I want to pick up on the the main factor. We said about the consequences of this obesity. First consequence you will find is heart disease. There's a simple statement which is made. It sounds quite twee, but it's not. At the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. At the heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. You know, people around you will give you money, will give you time, will give you talent, but will very rarely give you their hearts. Because the heart is the key to all that you are. The heart is the bit which is central. The scripture says, doesn't it? Out the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It also says that the heart is wicked above all else. God is looking to lay hold of our hearts. But as we increase in size, as we kind of get flabby in a spiritual sense, one of the things that starts to lose its strength and become diseased is the heart. The heart in the church starts gets to starts get lost. It starts to get lost towards God. It starts to get lost towards each other. It starts to get lost towards the vision and the character of the house and the purposes of the house. It just becomes unfunctional. And nobody meant to do it. It just happens because as life dictates and you move forward, excess, excess gets in the way. You know what they say that when you go to the gym, going to the gym isn't about just... How much weight can I lift? But the key of going to the gym is the ability to exercise your heart. What is it anybody tells you? Increase your heart rate. If you increase your heart rate, you will get fitter. Is that right? We must 
learn to develop and increase the heart as individuals and corporately. If we do that, we'll start to at least give ourselves an ability to keep the machine working properly, keep the ecosystem pushing the way that it needs to. The next bit, which I found very enlightening in some areas, where we talk about obesity, is the greater or increased risk of cancer. Now, it's a strange thing, cancer. And the reason it's strange is, you know that it can affect anybody at any time, yes? And they always say it's non-discriminative from being an old-age person to being a baby. That whole thing is a terrible thing. I saw it in my own family where my own father died of cancer. You know, I think there's not many people around that say they don't know somebody who's had cancer or been through cancer. Different issue, it affects us in so many ways. Even if you look this year at how many celebrities have died of cancer. Massive effects, environmental effects that will touch in each way, but also leads you into this one statement. It doesn't matter how rich you are, you can buy the best doctor in the world, but you can never buy health. You can be David Bowie, you can be Victoria Wood, you can be Steve Jobs, whoever you are, it doesn't matter how much is in your bank account. When this ecosystem decides to shut down, don't matter, I've got Professor Blog's blogs of third degree, second removed on my mother's side. It doesn't make any difference. But you know the issue of this cancer is this. It's the interesting bit. Cancer is normal. One day, it was a normal cell. It was living in your body. Just say, for instance, this is our body here, and we are all healthy, normal cells. I'm being generous when I say you're normal. We're all general, normal cells. And then one day, that DNA in those cells all follow protocol. Okay? Now, I don't think I'm dead smart. I watched a video on this the other day. They all follow protocol, and they all take commands from the brain that go through the nervous system. And it's like, right, let's all run this way so they all go one way. Let's go the other way so they all go the other way. They all follow protocol. And then for some unknown reason, and that's why it's still being researched, something happens internally to Scott. And when it happens internally to him, do you know what this cell becomes? Rogue. It stops following the chain of command. And when it stops following the chain of command, it doesn't understand, but it then starts to attack the very environment it finds itself in. So it starts to become negative. It starts to attack. It starts to eat. It starts to destroy all of the very thing it loves. But it has no understanding that it's doing it. Does this sound familiar? It attacks what's around it. Now, it's bad enough when it's isolated. But the worst case scenario is this rogue cell finds its way into the bloodstream. Because if it finds its way into the bloodstream, that's why I had cancer of my big toe, and now my nose fell off. It travels throughout the body. We'll see so many times that when the body gets to a stage where it's becoming obese, and we're now talking about the house, when it's becoming obese, and it has no job to do, and it's sat on its sofa, and it's not fulfilling its purposes, tasks, goals, or assignments, things start to happen to it internally. There is a statement. The statement goes like this. The devil makes work for 
Oh, so we all know it. So the idle hands then need something to do. But if something changes internally in me, it's not long before I start to attack my own environment. I become a rogue cell. But do you know what? I didn't know I was doing it. And a lot of time, I don't even know I am doing it now. I don't mean to be nasty. I don't mean to be divisive. I don't mean to attack what's around. Something just internally changed in me that stopped me following lead and direction. I now become captain of my own destiny. And then the thing is, I then start to reproduce myself. So as I reproduce myself, do you know what they say? Birds of a feather. You know what? If I go like that, I found that Veronica to be quite negative. But I'm always with negative. Do you know maybe what happens? Maybe I'm negative as well. Because birds of a feather flock together. I just don't realize it. And it's this whole bit of being lost in the flabbiness of that happens in the body. When I don't give something, I don't learn to follow protocol, I don't learn to make sure that I'm set the way that I'm meant to be set, things start to happen. You know, one of the other issues that we find, diabetes. I know a bit more about diabetes than I do about cancer. Diabetes produces a lack of sensitivity in your, extremity, in your extremities. There is the danger of external or deep nerve damage. You have problems with your sight. There is an increased risk of stroke. There is an increased risk of heart attack. And there is the inability to reproduce. Now, again, that's not a one-size-fits-all. That's of if the pendulum swung that way and the wind was against you on a Wednesday, all those things can happen if you don't maintain what you're looking to do. But what you've got is this diabetes. This diabetes, the biggest issue is it have is sensitivity. You might feel cold when other people are warm, but you'll find that extremities start to get a little bit funny. So I lose uh, sensitivity that when I touch and handle somebody else, I don't know at times whether I'm being heavy-handed, whether I'm being light-handed, or whatever. I lose those sensitivity issues. You know, the thing is, if you take it to its, again, to its extremities, pushing it through, where diabetes is concerned, what happens is you fall to the place of, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose this. Amputation starts to happen. The body starts to have to have bits chopped off because it became so diseased, and the damages to the nerves are so great, there is no response. Now, remember what I've told you. This is a word of hope this morning, because we'll get to the hope bit in a bit. But this is showing you reflective that what happens out there can be reflective in here in so many different ways. Do you know what happens? And this is a, a statement that Pastor Tony will use a lot. Instead of you being the solution, you have now become the problem. Because instead of caring for the world, the world must now care for us. I now need my full-time carer to make sure that everything's going to be all right. And of course, again, with the excess weight, I'm putting my joints under excess strain, under excess pressure. I'm having to work harder to get exactly the same results. And also, the biggest issue in all of this is reduced life expectancy. Why do I need to go home before my time when the task and the assignment has not yet been fulfilled? 
basically sum it up like this. All issues that were reflective of the obesity can be found in the church. The church has become flabby, slow to move, overindulgent, lack of sensitivity, self-defeating, visionless, cold-hearted, with the inability to produce results. All of that can be found in here. And that's not a stick to beat us with. That's understanding the bigger picture, that when God is continually trying to draw us to himself, saying, let's change things, let's work things, let's shape up, let's make this body be what it is, we find that we can't at times because these elements of those diseases that can be found in any house at any time. The worst thing that you will find is when you find a church that is going to go through or being in the process of a church split where cancer starts to grow in there and cell and person sets against person. And I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos, I'm with, and we start to set person against person and it all is divisive. A house divided against itself cannot stand. If we are the sick man of Europe, the church, if we become the sick man, what help are we to a dying world? If all I've got is I can't get by without another prescription, with another stroke me, with another love me, without another counseling session, we are never the people who can carry hope. All of these issues must be dealt with and brought to an end within any local house. And if it's going to come to an end in any local house, it means it must come to an end in me. You know, weight gain, like we said before, you know, you're never meant to happen. You're never meant to happen. You looked in the mirror one day and there was a stranger looking back. No one, anybody going to be with me, there's a stranger looking back. Because you know, from this side of my face out, you know I'm still 18. I'm still size 28. I can still run 14 marathons. I can probably eat 14 marathons. Or from this side out is not necessarily the perspective that you have of me. Would that be fair? But in changing, in developing, in growing, there is hope for change for all of us. Is there not? You know, they tell you, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. If you've got breath in your body, there is hope. Yeah? So a house might not function correctly, but it can function correctly. You might be a box of frogs, but it's all right. We can fix a box of frogs. Only three nods there, Eric. You're in a box of frogs. There was something that said this. The majority of people overeat for one reason. Sorry? Poverty mindset is one. Comfort. Big, boredom. People overeat because you're bored. You sit in front of the telly and you, are you hungry when you pull up? You've just had your tea, but I'm having two bags of crisp and a packet of biscuits. Are you hungry? What are you? Bored. Most of us, if we find that the church has an action, has a role, Pastor Tony's been working really hard this year about taking your faith to work. When I can connect to the purposes of God, when I find that there's some reason why I get out of bed in the morning, I'm not looking for things to give me a comfort hit. I'm not looking to console myself in a packet of biscuits or a liter of Coke. I'm finding where is life. I actually get too busy to overeat. The chances are you then won't eat enough because you're busy doing stuff. I'm, I'll use this. 
I'm a bit twisted. I can be a bit weird. I have some forms of OCD that I didn't know I had, but now I'm, I do know I have, like not going down the same road. If I walk to Market Street, I won't walk back from Market Street the same way. I'll go across the canal, worst case scenario, I'll cross on the other side of the road so I've not walked down the same piece of pavement. I'm not nuts, I'm not nuts, I just get bored easy, okay? I think the front row says, you're nuts, yeah? But it's not a box of frogs, you're being unfair now, you're being unfair. But there's that side, and the other side is, if I'm doing something, I don't take in refreshments, I don't take in food which is detrimental to me at a great cost. So if I'm busy and Ange says, fill your teas here, I'll have it later. I will always put it off because the task, I need to complete the task before I'll eat. And I'll go, I'm not hungry, I'm not thirsty, I don't need to do anything. And again, this is one of the issues like with you and I, if we're doing a job, Pastor Tony's at coffee break, bacon sarnie, look, we've not even started yet, can we not do the job? And I'm the opposite, I'll say, right, should we stop for lunch? No, in my mind, reward comes at the end of a task. Yeah? It's twisted. It's not a box of frogs. It's the way I'm wired, but I get a lot done. But do you know when I was a kid, and you'll see how old people are in this room, in the summer holidays, there used to be a program called Why Don't You? I'm not on my own. Right, stick your arms up if you're a Why Don't You kid. And can you remember what it was? Why don't you turn off your television set and go and do something more interesting instead? But even when I was eight, I found a paradox. Because if I was going to do something more important instead, how can I be watching your program about how to do something more important? So I found that as a bit of a paradox. But the whole thing is, if we break the cycle, you'll actually find there's more life than you ever thought there could be. That things don't have to be the way they are mundane and routine doesn't have to be the thing that digs your grave. Do you know what? Jonathan David uses this term. He says, do not dig your own grave with your own knife and fork. That when we're there and we'll just, we're just pounding it on because we're bored, we haven't got anything to do, I've got, I don't connect to people, I don't go out, so I'm just sat in my house, I ain't got any friends, so it's there, another packet of biscuits, get the jammy dodges out, here it is. And I can just overindulge but if I had an opportunity to go out to make friends, to connect stuff, you know, I'm not sat with a packet of biscuits. Why don't you turn off your television set or stop buying them, whichever discipline? I would say find a friend rather than stop buying them. But get to the place where when the body starts to function right, it will not find things that make it flabby. It will find things that makes its own ecosystem produce and grow at a more rapid rate. Would that make sense? Yeah? So we've looked at kind of obesity and we put it over here. Now, I know that, please, I'm standing here this morning going, if I went to the doctors, I would not pass my medical. I know you're saying, Phil, you're the finest specimen I've seen this week, but you're not medical. You're not, so I can't take that as being legit. If I get on the scales, and I've always been like this, if I get on the scale, I'm big boned, big boned in our house, you see. <laughs> If I get on the scales, it will always tell me, and this is the nuts things, it's about height to weight ratios, isn't it? And height to weight ratio going like this. I am the ideal weight. You'd be glad to know that. I've worked at it. I'm ideal weight for somebody of six foot four. Um, so I'm only two inches out. 
But for me, it will tell me, the doctor will tell me, that I'm on any day two to three stone overweight. And I think I might just fall down the grid if I lost three stone. But according to their ideal, perfect statistics, that's what I should be. So if I look in the room, there is very few of us who's going to be passing that chart that says you're this height for that weight. Yes? But that's all right, because healthy is still healthy. So what we need to do, as we said, is start to connect to purpose, bring the house into a regime that will see us getting slimmer, that will see us producing more, that will enable us to get fitter and faster. And if that regime, God forbid, affected my natural life and some of us lost a bit of timber, it wouldn't do us any harm, would it? You know the things that I've noticed go over age? Your joints. You know the bits when you creak and you didn't even know there was an area that you could creak in? You didn't even know you had the area, never mind that it could creak. You know when you have those kind of granddad noises where you bend down to see Ruby and the back creaks, the knee creaks, the bum creaks, the foot creaks, it's everything, and you, you kind of go, leave it, Ruby, I'll pick it up after. <laughs> you know, the, those kind of scenarios, for all of us, the healthier we can be, and it's not my job this morning to turn around and go into some kind of side spin about we should eat this and eat whole foods and do it the right time and no processed stuff. All of that is for you to do your own homework and move towards, yeah? But as a body, we need to make sure that what we take in and what we produce is conducive to the window of heaven that's open above us. It tells us, doesn't it, Scripture, that our bodies is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? So I need to treat this body with some respect, okay? Basic equation here, bottom line. If there is no body for Christ to move through, there is no work. Because God moves through a body. I said, God moves through a body, and it might just be yours. We have the corporate body, and I have an individual body. But do you know on the bit of saying this is great hope, this is good news? Well, let's change the gear to the hope bit. If we desire to change, we can. Just set realistic goals. Realistic goals like this. Why don't I go to the gym? But can I tell you something? Going to the gym will not make you fit. Going to the gym will not cause you to lose weight. Exercising at the gym might cause you to lose weight and to get fitter. Often we will laugh as we're sat in the gym, we're working out, Pastor Tony's already lost three buckets of the proverbial sweat. He's just drowning in it, and he's only put his T-shirt on. He's like sweating, you're going at it at the gym. And you'll see people on the bike, texting, going through, and all the lycra's on. Everything looks perfect. You do your hair, and then you just go back. Oh, read it. Yeah, somebody reading it. I'm exercising while reading a book. You know you're not really exercising. Is it better than sat on your sofa? Yes. But are the results going to be there? Not really. So I'll give you a flip side. The flip side is, come to church, it won't make you a Christian. Come to church, it is no guarantee of you getting any more mature. It's no condition to say that you will move from servant, saint, soldier, sonship, just because you're in here. Do you know what you do? You come to church. 
And do you know what equation meets that better than any? Go to McDonald's. Didn't make you a cheeseburger. It did not make you a cheeseburger, did it, when you went to McDonald's? So how can you turn it around? Get a personal trainer. Get under the covering of the house and learn to be developed. Learn to be all that you can be with a sense of reality and sensibility. What do I mean by that scenario? I go to the gym with a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger and I say to my personal trainer, that is what I expect to look like next week. I've paid me 13 quid for a personal session. I expect to look that by next week. And what's he going to tell me? He's going to say, well, it might take slightly longer than next week, so keep paying you 13 pound and coming back. But he'll say this. No, well, what we've got to do is we've got to start off in certain areas. We might need to see what we need to strip out before we can build some stuff. So let's start with your chips. Let's strip the chips out. And then... And what they'll do is the man that's gifted, the man who knows, will show me how to strip elements away from me so that the muscle and the different elements can be built back onto me to make me somewhere like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, in a spiritual sense, we say, I want to be like you. I want to do what you do. Why am I not doing that? Why did Pastor Tony go to Australia? What's he doing in the Philippines? Right. Maybe when you've had some bits stripped off and you put the miles on the spiritual treadmill and you work with an element of discipline and you cut out the junk from your life and you're not sat there at 10 o'clock crying into a bag of revels or whatever it is, when you stripped elements of that, then maybe the Arnold Schwarzenegger will start to be seen. You don't get it on day one. Learn to work out what God is working in. If I don't work anything out, why do I expect more? I've got to learn to work out in action, words, and deeds. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. No, why can't Veronica work out my issues? Because they're your issues. It's in the title, my issue. It's my issue. So if it's my issue, I have to learn how to find what the word of God is saying, the covering that I come under and work those things through. Learn to stir yourself in the word Prayer, faith, and worship. Again, do you know that thing? What gets your heart racing? If nothing else where exercise is concerned, as we said, make the heart start to work. What is it that starts to stir you? When you come into the house and we're in worship and you sat there with your finger up your nose, wiping it under the seat, hoping that nobody's seen you, what is it that moves your heart? What is it that when God comes into an environment, something leaps inside of you, that your heart starts racing? Maybe we've all gone past those days. Learn to develop the spiritual man. Now, at the start of every year, we talk about having a great detox, don't we? Maybe in my house, we talk about having a detox, and we're going to have that green drink, and we're going to have green tea, and we're going to eat old foods. I'm going to be on the Daniel diet for the first two days, and we're going to do all this stuff. Let me give you the best piece of advice you're going to get two-day, free of charge, Brucey bonus. 28 days will be the best spiritual detox that you can do this year. If you take 28 days, you apply those principles, you will change.
that book, whether you like it or you don't like it or you would have done it different or why does that chapter say that or do something else, doesn't come down to personal opinion. We can all have a personal opinion on something. The core essence of what's set in there will set you up for life and godliness and give you the foundation principle to build on. But do we value it? The issue is all that work that went in to build that so that you could change because you're the ones who tell us that you want to change. I'm not going to embarrass you by telling you that when we said it's free and you can download it, just email Dave. I am not going to embarrass you by telling you only eight people did. So for the rest of you who said that you've got it, because you know what? We gave it away free of charge. Was it four new additional chapters? Four new additional chapters that could have transformed your life. Now if you want it, it's now going to cost you. But you could have had it. And you go, why do I want that? I've got chips. Is the element of detox that would see you changed. Yes? Be honest with your current state. You know, that's not always the best bit, is it? Be honest with your current state. So I'll tell you something. We are all the same, but we're not all at the same level. We are all the same. We are sinners saved by grace, but we're moving from one degree of maturity to the next, are we not? So let me ask you a question, which is not for now, but it's a good question. This is, Veronica, a full pointy stick question, this one. So you write this one down, you might like this one. Think about this one, it'll give you something to work with. The scripture declares this, doesn't it? If a man does not work, he shall not... Is that biblical? Is that something that we believe in? Is that something we say, it's in the word, it works? Question. If that principle is true... If I have no kingdom work, should I be able to continue to draw from the king's banquet? Good question. Doesn't need an answer. You can think about that one. Now, let me give you again the counterbalance. You cannot, cannot overindulge on the word of God and on his presence. You cannot overindulge on it. It's a delight. It's like a vacuum of more God. Just give me more. You can draw from him. You can draw from his presence. You can draw from the word. You can delight. You can lose hours just being in the word, being in prayer, finding him where it's at. You connect with God. And it's almost like time passes you by. Have you seen those video moments where everything's speeded up and somebody just seems to be walking really slow? You get into that zone with God. And it's suddenly time, everything flashes by because you're caught in that moment. You're never going to overindulge on his presence or on his word. But do you know what you will overindulge in? You will overindulge on the benefit-driven church. The benefit-driven church will say, you can have what you want, when you want, do it any way you want, it doesn't make any difference, we're all loved, we're all under the covenant, be any way you want, do anything you want, we're all the same. No, we're not. Do you know what church is not? Church is not a democracy. Just says, we all get a vote. No, you don't. Do you know how it works? He sets, he sets the rules and we follow. It's not a democracy. I can't argue. Will a man argue with God? The answer is no. You can give it a go. I've given it a go myself. I've tried and often come out on the receiving end. Do you know, for most of us, we need to learn one simple principle. I need to grow up before I go up. 
And if I'm more concerned about growing and changing and seeing my state changed, then this will work so much better. It will find its place in the community. It will have the impact that God desires it to be. But what it needs to do is chop off the bits of excess that will just hold it down, that people will call it and say that it's now become irrelevant. It's not there for its time. It stays in the cave because of social exclusion. It has emotional problems. It's psychological. Does the world need us? Let's lock the door and keep the world on the outside. We're meant to be affecting it, not it affecting us. Is that fair? Pastor Tony's got a, a great statement that he's making at the, min- the minute. No, grow so I can go. Knowing, growing so I can go. And just while I was writing it down, I forgot it, but I didn't forget it. But the way I wrote it, I thought, it's better this one, for me anyway. I'll give you this one, Pastor Tony. You can have this, write this one down. Learning to grow so we're empowered to go. Learning to go, grow, and be powered to go. Each one of us finds ourselves, do this in 10 minutes. Break this down into seven key areas. And these seven key areas is any time your spiritual condition and position will be found in one of these areas. Is that all right? Now, again, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but it's a very good governor. You could literally speak a week on each of these sessions, but what I'm going to do is just give you headlines. Is that all right? Number one, the first state of a person is if they do not know Jesus Christ to bring them to salvation. Is that right? So stage number one is the goal should be see people brought to Christ. Stage two, when somebody has come to Christ, the next step is to see them establishing a walk with Christ. Personal devotion, showing somebody how they can find themselves in the word, showing them how to connect, showing them how to hear the voice of God, showing them how to enter in in worship so that it's not some form of religious just being in McDonald's, but I'm in a position where I'm actually drawing and giving back into the environment. You know, there's a phrase that goes this way. There's a difference between a wedding and being married. A wedding is the event. The marriage is the walk that continues. I came to Christ and got married. But the rest of my life is now that marriage process walking out. And if we're honest, all of us at times might need a bit of counseling. Marriage Christ counseling. Because if nothing else, except myself here as the example, maybe I've cheated on him a few times. But I've got to learn to see someone develop from accepting Christ to building that devotion of starting to walk together. I'm devoted to Christ. I learn to build the Christ life first instead of come and have a great church life and find Christ en route. It has to be that I find a Christ life and then I'm changed and transformed and I move from one degree of glory to the next like we've already said. The next piece on there. As the person starts growing in Christ, our goal is to make them to see their character developed and matured. Because just because I've got a devotion doesn't mean I'm not nuts. I have to build that area of maturity. You see, there's some people that are great. They've got a great heart, but I've got upside down characters. Character needs to be set and established. 
God deals with sin nature the moment that you accept him as his own personal savior. From that time, I am responsible for sin habit. He cleansed me, forgave me, makes me a new creation. Now as I walk, I must walk in the light of what he says, in the light of his word, in the light of the covering, of the light of, as we said, so much of a biggest issue. Your life is meant to be an epistle read by men. To give you this pointy stick too, there is nowhere in scripture is it ever emphasized, is it ever pointed to or insinuated that you should sin less. When you come to Christ, the scripture says, stop sinning. Stop this action. The woman caught in adultery, do not do this anymore. Did it say only do it Friday night when you've had half a bottle of Bacardi? You stop when you stop. We are not alleged to just do it less. Oh, I'm better this year because it's not. It says stop and cut it off. There's no point of saying, well, I feel better because I just did it less than I did last year. Cut it off. If the Christ life is going to be established, then cut it off. Number four, when the person starts manifesting a Christ life, their character, per se, is starting to be changed. The goal is to see them involved in Christian service. Now, what do we mean by that? Anybody can do a job in church, and Pastor Tony said, you don't need to be spiritual to push a brush, correct? You don't need to be spiritual to work in the kitchen. We have people who are unsaved help us in our mums and tots. Manpower is manpower, but what we're talking about is when people show that they're committed, that they're under the house, that they're moving forward, the responsibility and the work starts getting bigger. Does that make sense? Without having to drill down too much. They're taught to embrace the standard bearer principle, the principle of serving those above, your peers, and those below us. We're learning a heart of where we're servants. Yes? Christ says, I came to serve and not to be served. The highest role is a servant role. But we don't want that because there's no kind of kudos and there's no kind of big badge that goes with servant of the week, is there? But when I show myself, number five, that I'm fruitful and faithful in service, then I can start to be developed to raise in the area of leadership. Showing myself to be faithful here allows me to be developed and changed and brought through because I can see that I can be trusted, developed, that I'm not using that opportunity as a stick to beat everybody else around me, but I can be developed in the area of leadership there. I learned to catch the vision of the man of the house and the vision of the house, not just what do I want to do. This is not some kind of uh, naive approach that says, I do all of this because I love Christ. It's called immaturity. We do it because we're called to a house. We function in a house. We come under covering. We have protocol. Remember what we said about when a cell stops following protocol? It becomes rogue. Number six, once a person is in leadership, the goal then is to make them effective in that leadership. So I can turn around and say to Scott, right, Scott, we're going to make you a leader of, uh, you can have my job, head of catering now. So there's, there's Scott, he's head of catering. Did that mean that he's got any man management skills? Did it mean that he can organize anything? Did it mean that he can get people to work with him? Did it mean that he didn't become like a, you know, a one-man hero or one-man wannabe where I'll do it all, I don't need you all, I'll be the martyr for the cause? 
He then has to be taught how to deal with people, shape things, deal with issues, conflict management, whatever it is, he needs to be able to develop that task. So the man of the house or the leadership of the house help to nurture and grow the leadership around them so they become more effective in what they do. Fair? The final one is this. No, let me just make another statement. I just thought of it. Statement on this. We don't all carry the same abilities. I know that sounds hard, but we don't all carry the same abilities. It says of Moses that he rose men, and when he raised men, he had captains of 10, 50s, 100, and 1,000. If you giving your best shot is that you can be trusted with 10 people, and them 10 people are the best they can be, do you know what? Thumbs up, you've done the best job that you've ever got. When you get to heaven, it's not like God says, oh, well, well done, Scott, but you only had 10. But look at Dawn over there. She had a 1,000. Get to the YTS department. It's none of that at all. Where you're faithful in your gift, in your talent, and your ability, that's where God will reward you back into that. You might start with a 10 and somewhere down the line to be able to push to a 50. But you see, some people, when they deal in numbers, it gets too much. I don't want to get nuts about it, but it's that element of a grace of what you can hold and carry, and you don't feel overwhelmed by all the problems that come, the issues that come. You've got to learn to be able to manage and balance those. Because the end result is, can you replicate you? Second question, would you want to see you replicated? Would you want to see you replicated? Because she smiled, I'll come over to this side of the room. Would you want another Veronica in this house? Would we want another Veronica? Well, I think that's good, because I'm going to stand with you on that one. I would want another Veronica in here. Only you can answer the question of whether or not you think there's room for another you in here. Number seven, once that leader has become effective, the goal is to increase to the area of influence. Growing in both respect, trust before people and God. You're competent ministers. You reflect and demonstrate the Christ. You're able to reproduce the Christ in others. You raise men and women to do the work of the ministry. So the stages. Coming to Christ. Learning to develop a walk. What came next? Do we remember? Pushing them to maturity. So it's dealing with character. Then we get the next one that says from character to service, from service to leadership, from leadership to effective leadership, and effective leadership to influence. Why don't you ask yourself, where are you on that matrix? By now, some of you ought to be teachers. So what are the issues? Are the issues, I'm rogue, so if I'm rogue, I can't take protocol? Is it a case of, in this, I never dealt with certain character flaws, and because of those character flaws and the Christ can't be seen, no one says you've not got a great heart, but the character flaws cause you to fall over. You become the stink bomb in the room when we drop you in another group. What is it that stops? Because every one of us should be able to go through that process. This is not raising a bar so high that only a few can get over. This is meant to be from one degree of glory to the next. 
that as we build and we build and we build, what comes below us keeps pushing us higher to the stage of going, right, where, uh, again, we'll use Dawn as an illustration over here. I've been learning. I've been growing. I've been developing. She was in service. From service, she goes into an area of, why don't you run this group for us, Dawn? From that, we then help her and come alongside her and say, right, we look at some of your people skills, and this is how you deal with conflict management, or that's how you deal in communication. So we set up a communication course that helps people push through. All of this is the level that's open to every one of us. But if we stay flabby, if we stay I'm not needed, and we have a sofa mentality, what will be lost is I have a limited shelf life. I have a limited shelf life that someone will come along and take my place. And if they take my place, I can't then throw the rattle out the pram of saying, hang on a minute, why has that Dawn come along and done this? Because she gave us a life, she gave us a heart, she showed herself faithful, she worked in an area, she was able to be counted on, she allowed herself to develop, she took the heart of the man, she took the heart of the house, she was worked with, she didn't fight with you all the time, she didn't become some kind of nasty, spotty adolescent, she had a moment, boy does she have a moment, but we kind of work it through to the end result, she is influential. Not only influential in here, but what she's learned in here allows her to take her faith to work. Because when she speaks, people listen. And what she is, people want. That is open to every single one of us. Every single one. It starts with, I will make a choice to be different. I'll make the choice to put in the effort that I need. If we've got it next week and we're saying, right, two months, two months, girls, two months, fellas, we're going on holiday, Barbados, I'm taking you all on Barbados. You know we're all on the Daily Mail, Daily Mail bikini diet tomorrow, don't you? I'm on a bikini diet. I'm only eating three wafers and a lettuce leaf because I want to be good in any environment. And when I'm walking down that beach, I don't want Greenpeace keep trying to throw me back in the water. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I want to be looking as good as I can be. God turns around and says, for every single one of us, you can be ultimate in what you've got. You can push through. You can move to leadership. You can be used in these areas. You can be influential. Stop looking at one or two. The church, I'm not just talking about the Dream Center, has become flabby. It has become benefit-driven, where it's all about me and what I get out. It's all about dealing with my own emo emotions, comfort me, love me, stroke me, telling me all right in the morning. All of that's fine, but there has to be a place where I grow up so we can go up. Come on, church, let's just stand to our feet. I know this morning, church, maybe you're thinking, well, it's a bit of a weird topic to take, and we turned, we took, went sideways, and we talked about obesity. And, I, and again, please let me say this. I am not taking some cheap shot at somebody thinking you could do with losing a bit of weight. That's not what we're talking about at all, because I'm doing that, I'm starting with me. Yes? But the flip side of that is what's reflected in the natural and seen in the spiritual is that a house, if it becomes flabby, if it becomes to a place where it won't work and it can't function correctly, something has to happen so that we can be the people in the body that reflects what he's looking for in this world. Amen? So come on, church. Let's just raise our hands just for a minute. Say, my God, Father, I thank you that, Lord God, Father, you have not, caused us to lose our sense of sensitivity. 
that, Lord God, I thank you that you're continually speaking to us, that you're encouraging us, that you're building with us, Lord. But, Father, I pray that this morning, Lord, I speak for myself. Lord, I take responsibility for Phil this morning. I take responsibility for me, the individual in this corporate house. And, Lord God, I, I declare, my God, Father, every hindrance, everything that will be held back, Lord God, I pray, I bring it to the foot of the cross again this morning. Lord God, I thank you that you dealt with sin, sin uh, nature for me, Lord God. I bring my sin habit. The sin age must come to an end in my life, Lord God. Father God, I pray to be slimmer. I pray that, Lord God, that we can have that area of being, that polished, chosen arrow, that, Lord God, as you work with us, as you cut off the excess, that, Lord God, Father, will be men and women that are able to be fired for you. Lord God, I pray that there will be such a rising of leadership potential in this house, and men and women, Lord God, Father, we're striving after the heart and the vision of the man in the house. Oh, Lord God, Father, we thank you that we're people under covering. We thank you, Lord God, for the, the peace that we saw this morning that Jacob said, that, Lord God, Father, surely God was in this place and I did not know it. He had the place of encounter, but he had the encounter because of the, the window of heaven that his father had opened. Lord God, I thank you for the men who's gone before us, the men who's opened this window. But, Lord God, I pray in this generation, in this time, in this season which we find ourselves, Lord God, Father, cause us to rise to be the body that you called us to be. Oh, my God, Father, we started off with this morning. Father, we're declaring your word. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong. Strong and mighty is his name. And Lord God, I pray that as Christ is the head, may the body reflect the glory of the head, which is there, Lord God. Father, cause us to reflect your glory. Lord God, Father, where there's been breakdowns, where there's been a lack of sensitivity, where hearts have been out of alignment, Lord God, we speak life to hearts. We cause a flow to come through the house. We speak against the rogue cell, Lord God. We pray for health, vitality. We pray for the ability to reproduce. We pray for a healthy body. We pray for a long lifespan. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Bless you.